following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. What would you do for with $1.2 billion? What were you going to say? For a Klondike bar? No. No, oh, okay. Sorry. Choco Taco? No, I like $1.2 billion <laughs> over Klondike bars. They just canceled the Choco Tacos. Yes, I know. That was. I've never bad. had one. I haven't either. Troy? No. No, I'll take the, uh, I'll take the classic. Man. Thank you. After reading people's responses to that going right? away, it's like this was a delicacy. Right. No, $1.2 billion, like more like $700 million after taxes. What would you do if you won the money? Have either of you bought a ticket? No. Yes, I bought one for me and my mother. See, I have never understood, like, okay, so the jackpot's through the roof. Now we all start to play the lottery. Right. Like, is is $300 million not good enough? It's got to be $1.2 billion <laughs> or I'm not playing. Screw it. It's not worth my time. I think it's the hype of it all, too, because, like, especially working at the gas station, everyone's, like, all hyped up about it. I'm like, eh, I better get in on this, too, if I can. Yeah, the the kid working the counter when I stopped a little while ago was commenting, hey, it's someone who's not buying 100 tickets today. <laughs> it's like throwing them right and left at his raffle tickets almost. See, when I was doing the, the gas station gig, I don't really recall a time. It was, like, two and a half, three years when that was taking place. I don't ever recall like that big of a jackpot taking place, like where there was a line of people trying to buy Powerball. I don't recall that ever happening, but I do remember like there would be the same customer over and over buying a certain amount of scratchers, always asking what the number is on the scratcher because they have the algorithm figured out of where the real money makers are in the stack. If it has a slight white line on the bottom, that must be a winner. (laughs) Deal with those people all the time. They'll sit there literally for like an hour Mm -hmm. or two scratching Mm -hmm. off. Mm -hmm. There's some lottery weirdos out there. Um, You have seen what the odds are for tonight. Yeah, one out of like 302 million or something. One, like one that. in 302 and a half million. In other words, you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning, or as Stephen put it, struck by lightning multiple times. See, I, the first thing I would do with that kind of money is first of all, I'm taking, I'm probably taking the payments over 30 years, not the cash. Like the the lump sum of cash, mm-hmm. right as you win. Yeah, lump sum of cash is is just uh, it's, it's over about, over fifty percent yeah, of what like the total half. number is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm winning one point two billion, I'm winning one point two billion, and of course, like seven hundred after taxes. But thank you. Yeah, I, I was just going to say pre tax. I am going to definitely buy some real estate, definitely in New York City, somewhere overseas, somewhere in Europe, like Spain. Somewhere really cool. May buy a castle. I also want to buy a plane. I just want to buy a plane. Maybe park it in the yard. Keep it at the airport, whatever. Buy an island like Johnny Depp. Is that what he did? Yeah, he bought an island. I might pull a Johnny Depp and buy a bar on the Sunset Strip. Oh, yeah. Viper Room. (laughs) Just hopefully nobody dies in front of it. Uh, Go Sammy Hagar route on the Cabo. The Cabo. Cabo I'm going to buy the whiskey at Go-Go. Okay. That's there where I'm going to go. buy it. Mm-hmm. Nice. 
I've been there. I've been to the Whiskey a Go Go. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool place. I've driven by it. I did not go inside. They had a what's when that um, last posthumous Michael Jackson album came out, so they had the billboard on it. And I was like, sweet. Uh, yeah, the Sunset Strip isn't what it used to be, but maybe someday. No, no. it'll never be the same. No. Uh, and then I am going to travel. I am going to like leave the United States for at least a year and just go wherever I want, whenever I want. You're going to quit working at Manhattan Broadcasting? I would probably give you folks a bunch of money, too. Nice. I don't need all that money. Nobody can spend that kind of money. I can't help Unless but do, I buy a big business. I, I can't help but Dr. Evil at every time. Twitter or something. Billion dollars. Because you look like Dr. Evil? No. Well, yeah, there's that, too. Thanks. Number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's part of the reason why you got that name. You know, I don't really call you it that much. What are you guys doing with $1.2 billion? Yeah, good question. I think that it's just beyond my realm of actual conception that I don't even think about really I, what I would do. I know the answer. Troy, prob- yeah, Troy's going to buy, buy Diet Coke. Oh, okay, yeah. I'll buy the Royals. Could oh. that afford the Royals? No, that's probably a little short still. <laughs> Have to get a ownership group put together, but at least be the principal involved in that. Travion is going to put on... A music festival. That would be cool. I I would probably do the same thing you're talking about, like get real estate. Just like make sure investments are in order before I'm like, okay, I'm going to just start buying stuff. Well, that's the thing. I have so much money. Do I need to invest? I mean, I guess that's true, but especially if you have it spread out over those 29 years. Actually, the first thing I would do is probably hire a team of accountants. Yeah, that's true. That's what yeah. I, I remember reading a website one time and they're like, here's what you need to do if you win a crap ton of money in the lottery number one hire an accountant and an you're not gonna know what to do and an attorney yeah because you're gonna want them and then uh but would you like make the announcement that you won the lottery no i wouldn't no. I, I don't know if, if see mega millions is like a national thing right so yes. you may not get a choice correct and only once out of the top five that have been won previously only once has kansas even had a mention in there and it was one of those that had three uh, winners in three states. My mom won uh, ten grand in Powerball one time. Nice. Wow. I you don't know what she did with the money. I never saw a dime. I mean, honestly, one of the things that I, I think would rather be humorous just because we could officially say then that, uh, that K-State owns Booth Stadium would be for <laughs> me to buy it and donate it to the foundation. <laughs> or the Museum of Natural History. So I don't know. <laughs> or at least uh, pay for to uh, put some uh, decent plumbing in there. Right. Well, I, you know, make them rent the place and. <laughs> All right. Do you want to jump over to the Pac-12? No, I don't really want to. Uh, oh, oh, you mean just for discussion purposes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're staying put. We're, thank, we're, Big, 12. Yeah. we're Big 12 country here in yeah, Kansas. Thank you. Okay. Some of those over to the east think they're Big 10 country, but yeah, they're yeah, they're not. Yeah. We're, we're, we're Big 12 country around here. Uh, officially, welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale and Travion Berkland with us as well. Uh, good luck to everybody playing the Mega Millions tonight. Hope you win all the money and then share some with me. Now, the buzz around sports today is not up in St. Joseph, Missouri. It's over in uh, where? Where is actually Pac-12 Media Days? Is that LA Ve- is it LA in Big Ten country? That really, guys, is, 
Interesting that, that, choice that, there. Uh, that's pre-planned before uh, before it became Big Ten country. No, George Klykoff, oh boy, uh, had his uh, introductory press conference, gave a nice long speech there at the beginning, and then took about 20 minutes of question. Overall, it took about 37 minutes to go through the prelims there of the uh, a big, a big uh, Pac-12 media days. And you would imagine conference realignment was a gigantic topic, but also was like NIL. You know, the Pac-12 was the first conference, and they were really the first ones to push NIL, of course. But realignment, TV rights, a gigantic topic. And there were two quotes from George Klyakov as he's now about a year and a month into the job as the Pac-12 commissioner, and his hands are already full with a big mess. And here is uh, George Klykoff about the Big 12. The question's also in here as well. The days of trying to be collegial when it comes to expansion are over. I, I hope they're not over, but they're certainly harmed. And that remark was a reflection of the fact that I've been spending four weeks trying to defend against grenades that have been lobbed in from every corner of the Big 12, trying to destabilize our remaining conference. And I understand why they're doing it. When you look at the relative media value between the two conferences, I get it. I get why they're scared. I get why they're trying to destabilize us. But it, I was just tired of that. And yeah, that's probably not the most collegial thing I've ever said. So there you go. It's basically confirmation right there that the Big 12 – has been talking to Pac-12 schools. Who those schools are, you could probably take a, a strong, educated guess on who those could be. I got six that, w- that are in my mind that the Big 12, a good possibility, they've had some communications. And George Klykoff is like, uh, is kind of trying to, with the fly swatter, trying to shoo them away. Get out of here, Big 12. You're not taking our teams. I mean, Klykoff feels very confident that the 10 members that are still there are going to stay strong with the Pac-12 and not go anywhere. I mean, that that's a strong, that's a bold prediction because nothing is really safe right now outside. I mean, the only ones that are safe are the, are the teams that are in, <laughs> basically with the Big 12, the new Big 12, mm-hmm. and SEC and Big 10. Yeah, the ACC a- is up for grabs, even though that media rights deal is still a decade away and more than that from expiring. And the Pac-12 is right now in new negotiations, but they just lost two pretty gigantic players in those negotiations in UCLA and USC. The ACC is on that first climb up the hill uh, as you begin the roller coaster ride. That's where the ACC sits. The Pac-12 is already halfway through the ride and... I, one of the things that struck me about what he said after taking the other shots that he took earlier in the day, that it's the that he gets why they're scared. Uh, I'm sorry. You're the one who is acting as if they're scared. Going headlong and attacking literally a conference by name. There's no doubt you could see in his body language. Oh, the way he was answering questions. Um, his attitude. The the gig is up. Yeah, that he's definitely nervous, probably doesn't want to be there. He knows mm. the question's going to be about conference realignment and knows their back is against the wall. They are not in a strong position nope. right now. 
in a, in a very crucial time. Because and I'll, and I'll play uh, this. This answer was about a minute long, where uh, George Klykov did comment on the current TV rights negotiations for the Pac-12. We are in the enviable position of being next to market after the Big Ten. We already have significant interest from potential partners, including both incumbents and new traditional television, and most importantly, digital media partners. This interest is driven by the strength of our school's brands and markets, and a recognition of our continued leadership position in college football across the Western and Mountain time zones. With the value of premium college sports rights continuing to rise, multiple interested media partners, and limited opportunities, particularly in the West, we are confident in the long-term value of our rights. To set expectations, this process will accelerate after the Big Ten deals are concluded and will likely take months to complete. Even with the loss of our two LA schools, we still believe that after the current cycle of media rights deals, we will be very well positioned among the Power Five from a revenue per school standpoint. And, and before I let Troy comment on this, <coughs> I just want to say um, <laughs> sorry for the Dave Ramsey bleeding over in those clips. Can't help it with where the where the station lies. It just bleeds over sometimes. This is what happens when the transmitter is literally right outside the door. Yes, <laughs> I hear it sometimes, and I'm like, I don't know if like anyone else yeah. can hear it, but yeah. like it's yeah. crazy. No, right there you could hear it. I was like, hmm, okay, because uh, I was trying to figure out if if one of the other stations in the building was actually playing Baker Street for once. Uh, <laughs> the Rafferty version. Um. Holy smokes, this guy is delusional right now, isn't he? I mean, honestly, the, 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 there should be nothing about this situation right now where you even step forward and profess any confidence. When you walk to that stage, you should be up there saying, okay, listen, we have been completely destabilized by this. You all are aware of that. We are working diligently to try and stabilize the situation as best we can. However... Because of the fact that the Big Ten is still on the market and finalizing their contract, we have no idea where we're going to be in the next five months, three months, one month. It is what it is. Welcome to college football. Out. I'm done. Yeah, without talking about um, individual potential partners, I would say it's highly likely that we will end up with a big digital partner uh, for some of our rights and that uh, it will be, our rights will be distributed in a way that's unique and different and new. And we're excited about that. The Larry Scott idea. It's the Larry Scott idea just warmed over again for the Pac-12. This is why they started the Pac-12 network the way they did, because their intent was, because they were sitting in, in San Francisco, that they would have tech beating down their door to stream. Guess what didn't happen? And it left them wide open for what's happening now. Yeah, the Pac-12 10, 11 years ago failed to poach teams from the Big 12. True. Because it was ESPN and Fox that saved the day that kept, what you mentioned, like Tech. Uh, who I think I think Oklahoma it, and Texas were involved. Oklahoma State, State maybe. Yep. Uh, those were the four that were about to jump over. And then the big networks came and saved the day for the Big 12. But ever since Larry Scott made the move to start the Pac-12 network and started as an individually owned entity of the Pac-12. One of the big goals was that he wanted streaming partners. 
He wanted that to happen. That's why they set up shop in San Francisco with their offices, with their studios. And I mean, that's expensive real estate that they were involved in. Tremendously expensive. real, Some of the most expensive on the market in San Francisco that they were involved in. Because it was all about prestige and making it look like that they were a player. And none of the services wanted to stream them. Why would that be any different now? In that last clip, it was Klykov basically saying, we have to go in some route digital. As in, get involved with, and I'm just going to throw some names there, like Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, whoever wants to pay up for their for the streaming rights. But that has been what their goal has been since his predecessor was in place. They've not gotten it in a decade. They've been trying for a decade to get Apple to do it. And it hasn't panned out. Why is now different? If you're a Pac-12 school, you're looking at that and you're asking, why is now different? What promise can you make me that we're actually going to wind up on one of these digital properties? What promise can you make me that this is going to happen and where's your proof this time? Because that's where they got burned with Larry Scott. We are not done with George Klykoff, especially with another comment that was made about the Big 12. Make sure you're tuned in at 510 because there was one quote that in a way stole the show. And I thought, I think it kind of made George Klykoff look like an ass earlier today and laughable. A laughable ass. Mm -hmm. And that was earlier today. Plus more on Klykov on expansion. The Pac-12 is looking to expand. Kind of stealing some talking points from the Big 12 and Big 12 Media Day from Brett Yormark. But when we come back, we're actually going to talk a little Chiefs because Clark Hunt, chairman and CEO of the Kansas City Chiefs, about potentially a new home for the Kansas City Chiefs starting in 2031. That's next on the game. Sit down, Klyakov. Be humble. The game continues on Came In with Mitch Troy and Travion. We go from conference realignment to stadium relocation. The chairman and CEO of the Kansas City Chiefs, Clark Hunt, speaking with the media earlier today on a number of topics, but we revisit once again the discussion of what to do with Arrowhead Stadium? Maybe that's where I ought to spend the uh, yeah multi gonna, the multi millions. Yes, you're going to save Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, no, not necessarily its, save it, but from okay. Its necessary renovations. I mean, it would soon, give, rather it would later. Give me another reason to say the Broncos own the Chiefs, but you know that's another matter too. By the way, I just want to point out that because uh, <laughs> Troy and I are going to cop or we're going to Arrowhead Air, Stadium yep. tomorrow. Yes. for the George Strait concert. Nobody asked him, hey, is there any way we could get fans easier into the building instead of waiting 50 minutes in line before you can uh, jump into the concourse? NFL security. Oh, it is just brutal. I know it is. Hopefully the concert tomorrow won't be too bad. I remember George Strait, or uh, Garth Garth Brooks. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. 
Uh, maybe it did get a little bit rough there once it got closer to the show, but it really wasn't uh, too bad at all. But he was asked about just you know, the current situation. Where are we at in the discussions of potentially building a new stadium, maybe moving across the border to Kansas, or stick with Arrowhead Stadium and stay over on the Missouri side, renovate, renovate Arrowhead Stadium once uh, the lease wraps up in January of 2031. Well, we didn't get a ton of information, but what we do know is when it comes to the Hunt family, those that are higher up with Kansas City, what they would prefer to do is renovate Arrowhead Stadium. And I know why. It's because they have basically a whole house inside of Arrowhead Stadium. If you've ever taken a tour of Arrowhead, you will know that the Clark family, or the Hunt family, the Clark Hunt family, they basically have a giant condo in Arrowhead Stadium. It's got multiple bedrooms. I've seen inside. It looks really nice. And then have to rebuild everything, design a whole new condo. That's a lot of work. But should they pour the money into renovations? So that's on the table. But nothing has really changed in the conversations. They're still doing all the surveys, all the research, everything they have to do to figure out what is the best answer. And it's also, here is your matchup, though, when it comes to fans. Most Chiefs fans, I would imagine, don't want to lose Arrowhead Stadium. And I don't blame you. For the memories that are there, the records that are held there, I mean, the the outdoor stadium noise level record, the Guinness World Record, that was at Arrowhead Stadium. It's not going to be at some new place. It'll be at Arrowhead Stadium for the loudest stadium in the world. That would be hard to let go, and I totally understand that. But a, a, a very important decision will have to be made sooner or later. But what Kansas City would be missing out on if they didn't build the new stadium with most likely a roof. And the the best place for that would probably be around the Legends area. That's already been talked about. What they're missing out on is bringing some gigantic events to the Kansas City area. That would open the door for a Final Four. And for those that don't know, Kansas City has actually hosted the most Final Fours in history. Ten. Mm-hmm. Ten Final Fours. None since 85. Right. I mean, New York City comes in second with seven. I mean, there are multiple events. There's no doubt Kansas City would be considered for a Super Bowl. Heart of America, you know, you could oh. you could, tra- you could, you could put any tag you want on it. But it would definitely be considered. Better barbecue than Indianapolis? I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, and you may laugh at me about this, but WrestleMania. WrestleMania 27, which I'm trying to get my years right, I believe that was 2011, was going to be held in Kansas City. But certain renovations for cop, or for uh, Arrowhead mm. fell through and it didn't happen. That WrestleMania brought in 61 million dollars of revenue think about what this a new stadium could do for the economy there in kansas city smokes 
plus also sports gambling comes into play. State of Kansas recently legalized sports gambling. 80% of the revenue funneled into a special fund. It's supposed to lure the mm-hmm. professional teams mm-hmm. over to Kansas. And Missouri is nowhere close to uh, pulling that trigger. No, they'd rather have the marijuana. Is that what they want? <laughs> well, who doesn't want that? Well, okay. <laughs> it's just here we go again. What's legal where? Um, I, I'm struck by if it would go at Legends. Can you imagine the impact on the KCK slash Wyandotte County community financially? Yeah, that'd be huge. And plus, I mean, also into consideration, what are the Royals going to do? Are True. the Royals going to go downtown? Yeah. That would be gigantic for that decision to be made. Yeah. It, it would, you know, if the Royals move downtown, that then heavily leans the Chiefs going somewhere else. But we still wait. And just like what George Klykoff was stating, it's it's going to probably take months to find out the new meteorites deal potentially. It may take more months to figure out if they're going to add anybody or somebody leaves the Pac-12. The timetable is left wide open for this move as well. When we come back, since we're off at 5.30, we got the Royals coming up as they have first pitch just after 6 o'clock up there in the Bronx. Hey, the question is, guys... Will the Royals ever score a run again? Aaron Judge with that walk-off home run yesterday. And he got a really good outing for Brady Singer. That was rough. We'll see if the Royals score some runs tonight. But when we come back, number one song of the day, next. Travion's favorite songs <laughs> from 1986. Nailed it. Higher Love by Steve Winwood. One week at number one. Surprisingly only one week. I just feel like I'm watching Coming to America or something. I don't... Was this song in... No. I was going to say... It just sounds like music that's in that movie. Okay, so it was the 80s, man. I mean, at least in this case, it's Steve Winwood and not Eddie singing his own music. Oh, no, I got you. Da, 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 da. I mean, you got that synth- synthesizer in there. Uh, Winwood, musician, songwriter from Handsworth, England. Mm-hmm. All right, enough humming there from Troy. Uh, Winwood. Boy, he was, a, he was a member of three very mm-hmm. successful groups. Mm-hmm. Spencer Davis Group, Traffic. And Blind Faith, and Traffic is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep. That was in 2004. But beginning in the 80s, his solo career really took off. And I don't have the uh, the global numbers, but as a solo guy, pretty good in the United States, he sold 7 million records. That'll make you a nice chunk of change. 
Winwood inducted, like I said, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but just as a member of Traffic, he hasn't been inducted anywhere else in uh, 2008. Rolling Stone ranked Steve Winwood number 33 on its list of the 100 greatest artists of all time. I don't know about 33rd. Maybe 73rd. But I don't know about 33rd. Mm-hmm. As a solo guy, nine studio albums, ten top 40 hits. First of two number ones. The other one, of course, roll with it. From the fourth studio album, Back in the High Life. Troy, do you know what the song's about? No. For as much as I love the lyrics and, it's and a, yeah. It's about higher love. Well. Higher love. It's a spiritual type of uh, higher love. It is interpreted as like God. God must exist. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of lyrics that would pinpoint that. And the song opens, think about it. There must be higher love. One of the key arguments as well in the first verse. Without it, life is a waste of time. I would disagree with that. This was Winwood's first U.S. number one single as a solo artist or even with a group. It took him a little while to get there, but he achieved it in his late 30s. You know, this is a pretty good harmony I can hear in this song right there in the chorus there. Troy, do you know who's singing in the background? Shaka Khan. Yes, you're right. Even though she is not credited as a feature, I noticed. It's just a song by Steve Winwood. Mm-hmm. Not featuring Shaka nope. Khan, just Steve. You know, back in those days, there wasn't a lot of the featuring tag to songs. If you really think about it. I'm trying to think of when did that all really start? I know, like, I mean, heck, you can't find a rapper anymore that does a song by himself or right. herself. Right, Travion? He agrees. What else do we got here? So, Shaka Khan. So, sing, singing with Winwood here. Because Winwood was wanting that gospel feel to the song. Mm-hmm. And then a few years later, she also worked with Eric Clapton. Another member of Blind Faith. Mm-hmm. This song would go on to win two Grammys in 87. Record of the year beating out Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. And Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love. That's some tough competition. I would probably actually pick... I, I, don't, I don't think I'd pick Higher Love. I would go Addicted to Love. I think when you look at it from a song standpoint, musical standpoint, I dig on this just that little bit more. The other two would be more because of just the overall presentation thanks to video. But this isn't video of the year. This is record of the year. I know. I, if I were to power rank these, I'm going one, Addicted to Love, two, Sledgehammer, three, mm. Higher Love. Just my personal taste. I'll agree with that. And I actually happen to have this one at the top of that list, followed by Addicted to Love and then Sledgehammer. Okay. This also won Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. And then, I I never knew this even existed, but one of the most famous covers of this song was from Whitney Houston. 
Did you know about this? Because mm-hmm. I didn't know about it. Well, it was only released in Japan. It was never released in the United States. Correct. And it's gotten more play here in the last 10 years because it got mixed. Yeah, Kigo remixed it and it's went into the top 40 like a, couple, a year ago or, or so. Yeah, uh, I had I did not realize that she had done a version of this until that hit. Yeah, it was on the B-side of I'm Your Baby Tonight. Never Great appeared song. on an album. She never put it on an album. Travion, what's your take on Steve Winwood? You know a lot about music. Um, I like Spencer Davis group. Um, I don't know. He's okay. <laughs> don't have much of an opinion. <laughs> Is he the 33rd greatest singer of all time? I don't, I think, don't think so. so. But do you know anything about the band Traffic? No, that was one thing I was like like Spencer Davis group is not even in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is surprising. I've never heard of Traffic. I've oh, heard wow. of Blind Faith though. Could you name some Traffic songs? Um off the top of my head, I can't. See, I don't know who else was in Traffic with Steve Winwood. But Traffic was I actually think that was his first band. Was Traffic before Blind Faith? Might have Travion look into that. 67. Okay. Yeah, they were more prog rock. Um, yeah. Jim Capaldi, Chris Wood, Dave Mason, and Steve Winwood. The only Traffic song I can honestly think of, even though I've heard of Traffic, um, Dear Mr. Fantasy. Yeah. That's about it. Feeling all right. Okay. Covered. Yeah. Mason left shortly after the album's release. Steve Winwood did the following year when he joined Blind Faith. All right, Travion, we'll take a break. And Troy, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll finish up the hour with a great analogy from a Nebraska football player to describe the 2021 season. That's next. Oh, we love to give Nebraska a hard time here on the show. But they did it to themselves. Three and nine Mm -hmm. last year. Scott Frost has had a really rough four seasons there at uh, up there in Lincoln. Last year was his worst. Second consecutive three win seasons. Four wins in year one. He had five in year two. But of Nebraska's nine losses, eight were within eight points and all nine were within 10 points so they were so close yet so far and everybody you know boy maybe not everybody but like man if the ball could have just rolled our way a couple of times and uh, we made a couple of more big plays our season's completely mm-hmm. turned around mm-hmm. i think it's more than that guys i think it's way more than just that but, uh, man, what a great analogy from Big Ten Media Days. Garrett Nelson, he's, he's pretty good um, defensive in there for Nebraska. I was watching, actually, his press conference, and I, he's really funny. Like, he's super cool. He's chill, relaxed, just having fun with the media. I love that kind of stuff from student athletes. But he came up with a great analogy to describe what last season was like for Nebraska. And I'm sure there's uh, some dudes out there that can relate to this. His analogy was this. 
It's like going to a bar every Friday and talking to a chick all night. And all of a sudden, her boyfriend walks over and takes her home. I'm like, man, that's uh, – yeah, that's pretty good. That's That's pretty good. I've been – well, first of all, maybe the whole all-night thing. Um, the boyfriend is usually pretty quick to come over and interrupt if a guy is trying to hit on his chick. But that's a bad, bad loss when that happens. It crushes your soul. You're like, man, I, I put all this work in, and at the last second, my dreams are crushed. When honestly, I probably didn't have a shot in the first place. <laughs> a short hour to the game. We're out at 5.30, but when we come back to we go back to George Klykoff, the commissioner of the Pac-12, he is puffing his chest out at the Big 12. That comment, you'll hear it next. But first, your local news.